We are holding on the bottom of Kuf Beis Amid Beis. We are in the middle of discussing what the definition of a shoe is, whether uh, something that is not made of leather, whether a slipper has a din of a shoe, and obviously this is relevant because we're discussing, we're in the middle of Parak Mitzvah's Chalitza, so we're talking all about Chalitza. So the Gemara is going to give more details today about what qualifies as a shoe for chalitza, whether it needs to be uh, leather, if uh, what, what different uh, d- different items that people wear on their feet to protect stumps if they don't have feet and things of that nature, whether they 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 are considered a shoe. And we're also going to define the term regel. Does regel only mean the bottom part of the foot? At which point, what's considered me'al raglo, the area right above the regel, and once what's considered me'al de me'al, the area above the part that's me'al raglo, which would not even be kosher for chalitza. The gemara is going to bring five different psukim to try to prove that even somewhere very high up on the leg would be considered regal, but the Gemara is going to reject each of those rayos. So on Amid Beis, we're going to talk a little bit about the idea, on the bottom of Amid Alf actually already, we're going to talk about uh, Yaharig Val Yavar, and a little bit about the idea that Tavasan Shal Rishayim Yisrael Eitzel Tzadikim, that which Rishayim consider good, is bad for, its, for Tzadikim, and uh, then the Gemara is going to get back into the shoe issue, and is going to talk about a shoe that has, uh, has Tzara'as. We know this Tzara'as can affect the person's body, it can affect a person's home, or it can affect begadim. What if a shoe has saras? Can such a shoe be used for chalitza? Does the chalitza shoe need to belong to the person who's, uh, who's, who's, who's doing the chalitza? And those types of, uh, of issues. So we are holding three lines from the bottom on, daf kuf beis and beis, Tanya Kavase de Rava. Rava had said that there's a difference between different types of slippers, of impalia, that there is a, there's, there's uh, uh, those that are made out of, uh, those that are there for, for Tanug. Um, I'm sorry, Rava said, uh, impalia shall are and impalia shall begin, that there's those that are made out of leather and those that are made out of, uh, out of cloth. So Tani Kavase de Rava, we have a brace that supports Rava, Cholzav Minal Hanifram Shechofa Es Rova Regel, if one does Chalitza with a torn shoe that covers most of the foot, or besandal regal, a broken sandal that, that most of the foot fits into, besandal shal sham or uh, or a shoe made out of uh, rubber or something like that, something not leather, bekavakitea, or with the wood uh, uh, foot that they, that they would put on the stump of an amputee, bemok, uh, or a shoe made out of felt, besmichas haraglayim, that which uh, they would put on their feet called smichas that was specifically made for someone who was who had no use of his feet whatsoever and would get around by walking on his hands and as his feet would drag on the floor they could get all scratched up so they would put on something called smichas haraglayim to protect the feet from getting uh, from getting scratched up and and and, and uh, hurt from the floor but in shalar with a leather slipper vachaletzas menagadol and someone who gets chalitza from the gadol bein omid bein yoshe bein mota whether he's standing whether he's sitting whether he's leaning vachaletzas menasuma or uh, someone does chalitza menasuma chalitzasek sheira the halacha is in all of these cases the chalitza is going to be kosher aval b'minal hanif from shein chofes rov haregel but if you have a torn Shoe that does not cover the majority of the foot. If you have a sandal that's uh, 
that that that's uh, that, that that's broken that does not uh, that does not fit most of the foot ubesmicha sayadayim the if they have something that protects a person's hands ubein palya shall beged or they have a uh, a a slipper not made out of leather but made out of beged becholetzus menakatan chalitzas apsulin all these cases the chalitzas possible so you see exactly like Rava that the brisa itself was mechalik between a slipper made out of or and a slipper made out of beged that when it comes to a slipper made out of or that has a din of a shoe if it's not made out of or it does not have a din of a shoe if it's made out of beged it does not have a din of a shoe so Gemara over here says that chalitza can be done bein omed bein yoshev bein mota so why would I think it can't be done while sitting? What would be the hava amina that sitting is uh, is at all a problem with uh, with chalitza? With, with so Tosa says because chalitza has a status of a gemar din because we're being matir and isha lashuk through chalitza. The Allah is by Gemar Din, the litigants have to be standing. And that's why the Gemara is going to say that really we do require Amida. So that's uh, that, that's why we would have a Hava Amina, Chalitza can only be done by Amida. Furthermore, Tos says, that it says, so that implies that they, that they need to be, uh, that they need to be standing at the time of, of the Chalitza. Um, by the Kriya Sayavam, it says, so the Sifri Darshans that, uh, this, that, that, uh, that, that, um, that, that's only Ba'amida. The Kriya can only be done Ba'amida. So, uh, so the, the Tos is explaining that's only the Chachila, but Pidyavet, when you do Chalitza be Yeshiva, the Chalitza is still going to be Kasher. And we don't Darshan from, uh, from, from the Amida that, uh, from the Lashon of Amar Vamar, that it has to even be Pidyavet. It's just the Chachila, we, we would require, uh, Amida, at least for, for that part. But anyway, so Argumar is saying, that it's all going to be kosher. Then the, the, the Bryce had said that minasuma the chalitza is kosher. Why would I think a blind person can't do chalitza? What would be wrong with a blind person? A blind person walks, a blind person has feet, so why would I think a blind person can't do chalitza? So next suma. Why would I have a have a minute to exclude a suma? Pasuk says the ene has a kenim, meaning that the dayanim have to see the whole procedure. I might think that just like we have a din la ene as a kenim, it also has to be la ene the yavam, that the yavam also has to see it. Inami, mishum duksivi yarko befanav, davi kamola enav, kamash below. Or because it says yarko befanav, which I would think means in front of him so that he can see it, that he should be able to see that she's spitting toward him. So kamash that he doesn't need to see anything. He can even be a blind person. The Rashba and the Ritva write that a Summa can even do Chalitza L'Chadchila, but even though the Brisa says that if Chalitza's Mina Summa Chalitza Sakshera sounds more like a Lashon of Bidyevet, that if you did it with a Summa, it's still going to work. So he says, yeah, the reason it says it in a Lashon of Bidyevet is because of the other Dinim that are mentioned in the Brisa that are only Bidyevet. But the Din of a Summa, that would even be a Din L'Chadchila. The Rambam in the fourth parak of Yibam Chalitza writes that a Summa is Eino Chalitz Medin Torah, and he learns from the Pasuk Viyarka Befanov. That Befanov means like Le'enov. What Tulsa says is the Havamina, that's what the Raman Paskins. That a Summa cannot participate in Chalitza because you need Befanov. Befanov means Be'enov. That the Yavim has to see the saliva. So Magnum Mishnah explains that 
b'diyevet, when the Summa does do Chalitza, it is kosher because the Eureka is not ma'akev b'diyevet, meaning the Ram doesn't argue on the Gemara, but he understands that the Lashon of the Brisa, Chalitz min Summa Chalitza Kshera, is a Lashon of b'diyevet, and that's because it's really only a Din b'diyevet. L'chadchila Summa cannot do Chalitza for the very reason that Tulsa says we would have had a Havamina, that it's not even kosher b'diyevet. But the Ram says it is kosher b'diyevet, but at the very least, L'chadchila, a Summa should not do the Chalitza because the, the Yarak Bifanov can't be done properly. So Mishnah Melch just wonders that the Rikika that should, the, the, Yava, the, the Yavama is Yorek uh, should be more Chashev than the, uh, the, 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 that seems strange that it should be more important than the Kriya that the Yavama uh, is Kore Bechalitza. Because if the Yavama is only Kore the Sukkum of the Chalitza and is not Cholitz and is not Yorek, then obviously it's absolutely worthless. And the, uh, and, and, and the, the, and she's, she's, she's Muteres to do Yibum with the other brothers. I mean, that wouldn't be a Chalitza at all. But if you do only the, the, the spitting, if that's all she does, and she doesn't do a removal of the shoe, and she doesn't do a Kriya, none of the other stuff, it would be enough of a Chalitza to passel her be Yibum to the other brothers. So it seems that the spitting is more important than the Kriya of the Parshios. Or for, for example, the, the, he points out, when the Yavam or the Yavama are uh, mute, the Raman Paskins, the Chalitza's Pasel, because you need the Yavam and the Yavama to be Ru'uyim le Kriya, even though the Kriya itself is not Ma'akev, because it calls Granted, you don't need the actual Kriya, but you need at least Ra'uy le Kriya. They can't be, they can't be mute. They have to at least be Ra'uy to read. So, Kolshkein Lechar, we should say that Chalitza from Asuma should be Pasel. Because Kolshkein, meaning if, if, if the, the spitting is more important than the Kriya, and as evidenced by the fact that if you just spit, that's enough to Pasel her to the other brothers, so then why is it that when it comes to the Kriya, if someone is incapable of Kriya, we say that the whole thing is going to be Pasel, and by Asuma, we say that it's going to be Kasher B'diyavet, the Ramadan says it's going to be Kasher B'diyavet. Why should it be Kasher? If he's incapable of that which is even more important than the Kriya, we should say, Kolorei L'bila, Ein B'lim HaKevaspo. That's the Kasher of the Mishnah Lamelech. The Yosemech is Mitaretz, that granted, the Seder of, of Chalitza is that the Yavama has to spit, but that's only after the removal of the shoe. So if uh, they only remove the shoe of the Yavam, she becomes, the, the, right away she becomes even if there is no spitting at all, so we can't say about something that's after the Chalitza that you need Roy Labila. Something that's after the, the Iker Maisa of the Chalitza. I mean, we have to pay attention to the Seder of the procedure and the primary element of the procedure is clearly the Chalitza of the shoe. So it's hard to say about something that's going to occur after the Chalitza of the shoe that where it's not, that, uh, something that's going to occur after the Chalitza of the Shul that's not Ma'akev, that it's going to need to be Ra'u'i Labila, that you need to, to have the ability to, uh, to do it after the Chalitza of the Shul is already done. That's how the Yosemech understands. Kava Kitea, if you have a uh, stump of a, uh, of a, or the wooden, uh, the wooden foot that they put on the stump of, a, of an amputee. Money, so Reb Meir, this is something like Reb Meir, who holds that, uh, that you don't need a leather shoe. And Reb Meir holds, Reb Meir holds on, in Hilcha Shabbos that an amputee is allowed to walk out with his wooden stump because that has a din of a shoe, that that counts as a shoe. Reb Yossi, Yossi says, no, he can't, it doesn't have a din of a shoe, and therefore 
therefore it's considered carrying on Shabbos. Now when we said in Palyashal Beged, that seems to be assuming like the sheet of the of of, of the Rabbanan, that it's uh, that it's no good because it's not leather. From the fact that the Sefer is the Rabbanan, the Resha, meaning the, the Sefer when it talks about in Palyashal Beged is going like the Rabbanan, so the Resha where it talks about the wooden st- the the wooden leg of the amputee must also be going like the Rabbanan and uh, and and it must be talking about that it's mechupa or that it has leather because the Rabbanan hold that it's only called a shoe if it has leather so we must be talking about a a wooden leg of an amputee that has leather on the leg. Puzzle. So then what would you be saying? That according to this price, since it's going with the sheet of the Rabbanan, that only leather has a din of a shoe, so you would tell me that the, that the wooden leg of an amputee that doesn't have or that doesn't have leather, would be possible? Instead of uh, contrasting with what would be possible for Chalitza, by saying slippers are possible for Chalitza, why can't we use the same thing we just said in the ratio as Kasha for Chalitza, and be Mechalitza can say when is it kosher for chalitza? That's only if it has leather on it. But if it doesn't have leather on it, it would be puzzle. Meaning, if we're really assuming like the Rabbanan that the definition of a shoe means that it has leather, so we should have highlighted that point in the brisa. The brisa, which reflects the sheet of the Rabbanan, should have highlighted that it's all about the leather. So rather, Rabbi says, no, no, no. We're assuming the whole brisa is going like Rabbi Meir, and when the ratio talks about the wooden stump, the wooden leg of the amputee, it's not talking about a leather-covered wooden leg. We're talking about a regular wooden leg. And Rameir assumes that you don't need leather in order for something to be considered a shoe. And therefore the safe is also going like Rameir. Hi Megan, the high low Megan. The reason why a fabric uh, sock or a slipper is not considered to be a shoe is not because it's not made out of leather. The reason it's not considered to be a shoe is because it doesn't protect the foot. Only that which actually protects the foot, like the wooden foot is considered to be the wooden shoe is considered to be a chalitza shoe, but that which doesn't protect the foot at all is not considered to be a shoe. Someone who does chalitza, there's a requirement that he has to press down his foot into the ground. But didn't we say that he could be standing, he could be sitting, he could be leaning? Normally, if a person's leaning, he's not pressing his foot down into the ground. So says normally, but we have to assume that whatever position his body is in, his shoe, his foot, has to be pressed firmly onto the ground. You can't bring a raya that just because he can lean, that is his foot doesn't have to be pressed, his foot does have to be pressed into the ground. Why? Why would it be a necessary halacha that the guy's foot has to be pressed into the ground for the chalitza? So there are several shitos in Rishonim and Achronim. The Rush writes that B'derech uh, Chal the, the shoe that a person uses for chalitza, even bismanenu, especially bismanenu, is not a shoe that he takes out of his closet. The shoe we use for chalitza is a special shoe that belongs to the bezdin. And sometimes the bezdin's shoe is a little bit larger than the foot of the yavam, and it looks like it's going to fall off of his foot. And uh, the the uh, and, and it's very important that, that, that it be very clear that the woman is removing the shoe and that the shoe is not falling off on its own. So says the Rosh, that's why they were masaking that he should press his foot down into the ground where, there's, where it's clearly not falling off. 
because if, if his foot is pressed firmly down on the ground, nothing could fall off of his foot. And that way, it's very obvious that she is removing the shoe, that the shoe is not falling off. The Ritva explains, <clears throat> that we have some sort of Kabbalah, that that's just the procedure, that his foot has to be pushed out of the ground. Some of the Acharim suggest different. They say the reason he has to push his foot into the ground is so that uh, the Yavim doesn't come to help out in the Chalitza, meaning if, you, if someone is trying to remove your shoe, the natural thing for a person to do is to help them, is to position yourself, to pull your foot back the other direction, but if you're consciously pushing your foot into the ground, then you are consciously not helping by pulling your foot back. And we want to make sure that the Maisa is a Maisa Chalitza that's completely on the Yavama's part and not his part. She has to be doing the chalitza. If there's a person that goes around with the, walking on the top of his feet, I mean his feet are inverted, he walks around using the top of his feet against the ground, so uh, the, he should not do chalitza. But wait a second, we said the smokhas haraglayim are a good chalitza shoe. What are the smokhas haraglayim? A guy walks on his hands, and there are these things that protect his feet as they're dragging behind him. Well, how do his feet drag behind him? Probably the top of his feet drag uh, along the floor. And yet those are valid chalitza shoes. So don't you see that he's using that as a chalitza shoe, even though the top of his feet are dragging on the floor? It says, He's not using it as a chalitza shoe. He gives that thing that he uses to protect his feet to somebody else who needs to do chalitza, and they use it as a chalitza shoe. That's what's called for chalitza. But the guy himself, whose top of his feet drag on the floor, can absolutely not do chalitza. According to Amemar, those two guys that walk on the top of their feet, Baruva and Barkipov, are mentioned in the third parak of Moed Katan, uh, that uh, they're cursed for whatever reason, and they, their feet were inverted, so, uh, so they shouldn't, uh, shouldn't do chalitza. So the post can point out that uh, why would the Gemara have to say this? Meaning, we just uh, have to give example. We, we, can, we can imagine, we can envision what it means uh, that, that, uh, that someone walks on the top of on the top of their feet. So, uh, so, so, what we're doing over here is a, like a Rashem Rashem Yirkat, that these are people that were cursed, and uh, because they were cursed for this, they were being punished for this, so we're supposed to mention that. That's okay to, to mention um, that Venasi Bamcha Losar, Baamcha Bosa Maisa Amcha. You know, I'll have to curse people who are, who are Osa Maisa Amcha, but the, these are Rashem that are not Osa Maisa Amcha, so it's perfectly fair game to, uh, to, to curse them. Um, okay, says the Gemara further, Minar Kuva Ulamata, from the knee and below. So we said that Chalitza is on, on the regal counts below the knee. If the, if the person's leg is amputated below the knee, somewhere below the knee, he could still do Chalitza. Or a Minhi, but wait a second, Raglayim Pratla Bali Kavin. But didn't we say Raglayim Pratla Bali Kavin, that they're Pater from Re'iya, from being although the regal, people who, are, who have their feet amputated don't have to be all the regal because they don't have a regal. So if they don't have a regal in regard to being all the regal, why should we consider them to have a regal for Chalitza? Over here, it's a, you don't only need a regal, you don't need a regal, you only need the area because the Chalitza is done from above the regal. So someone who's an amputee on the bottom part of their leg would not be all the regal because he doesn't have a regal, but he is, he does do Chalitza because he does have he has the area above the foot. 
Well, if that's the case, that may alaraglo is all you need, that even if it's above the knee, it should be okay. Even if his amputation was above the knee, it should be okay. Me'al v'lo me'al me'al. No, it needs to be me'alaraglo, but it can't be too high up. It can't be me'al me'al on top of the area that's on top of the foot. That already you can't do chalitza. Amra papa shmamina ha'yistavira ad ara nachis. That we must be assuming that the ankle, the ankle bone connects to the foot bone, and it's one bone, or the ankle bone goes all the way down to the to the feet, all the way down into the the uh, the, the the foot itself, and therefore the ankle is not considered meal raglo. Because if the ankle were considered independent of the foot, then the ankle would be the area that's me'al raglo, and then the calf would be me'al me'al, would be something that you're not allowed to do chalitza, but we said in the Mishnah that anything that's below, an amputee that's below the knee, an amputation that's below the knee, is probably good for chalitza, because as long as part of the calf is remaining, you could do chalitza on the, on the calf. But according, if you were to say that the ankle is me'al raglo, the calf would be me'al me'al. It's interesting, the Gemara in many, many places, when it talks about the shok, is clearly not talking about a thigh, it's talking about a calf. So that's a question of shok bi isha erva. When we say that the shok of a woman is erva, and a woman is therefore not allowed to expose her shok, so why, why do, well, what is the assumption? What exactly is the shok? So that's a machlok saposkim. Whether the shok is the bottom half of the leg, from the, between the knee and the ankle, or the shok is the top half of the leg, what we call the thigh. So obviously uh, many, 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 many poskim are makel that, uh, that it's considered the thigh, but at, le- at, at the very least what you have to say is that there might be two definitions of shok. Because you do find throughout Shas that the bottom half of the leg is uh, is considered shok. So anyway, so that the the, uh, the shok is is not considered male to male; it's just regular male. Even if you say that the ankle bone is independent of the foot bone, it's not considered to be level with the. It's not considered to be part of the foot. Uh, but still, the, it wouldn't be called me'al raglo because there are parts of the ankle, the, the ankle is level with the top of the foot. So since it's on the same, it's at the same height as the top of the foot, it's uh, not going to be considered me'al raglo. It has to, me'al raglo would have to be up on the leg that's in an area above the height of the foot. And therefore, even if the ankle bone is separate, it wouldn't be called me'al raglo. The shok would still be called me'al raglo. The calf would still be called me'al raglo. Minar kuva lumala, but if the amputation was above the knee, then the guy doesn't have a regal, and he doesn't have a me'al raglo, and you can't do the chalitza. Must of Rav Kana, so the Gemara is going to try to bring uh, five different psukim that all seem to indicate that the upper part of the leg is also considered regal, and if that's the case, why is it that we can't do chalitza on the upper part of the leg, on the thigh of a person? Must Rav Kana, so Rav Kana asks from, from the following pasuk, that the, the pasuk says, Uvishul yasa hayotseis mi bein ragleha, that the fetus emerges from mi bein ragleha. Now, where does the fetus emerge from? It's from between the thighs. It's not from between the feet or the calves. So why is it, uh, so you see that that's called a regal. When a woman crouches to, uh, to give birth, she presses her, her, her heels against her, uh, against her thighs and she gives birth. So when it comes out between her thighs, it's also actually coming, down, coming out between her calves and between her feet. And that's the part that we call regal 
regal, it's not the thighs that we call regal. Tashima, a second uh, pasuk that's a, it's a raya. Lo asa raglav, velo asa svamo. The pasuk when it talks about mifiboshas ben Shaul, that uh, he didn't, uh, he was unkempt, he didn't, uh, he didn't cut his hair, didn't remove his hair, but raglav is, uh, we refer to, uh, is, is the, the, the lower body hair. And lo asa svamo is uh, the mustache and says, and he did, and his begad of Lokibes, he didn't wash his, uh, his, his clothing from, uh, so, so the, uh, but bottom line is, you see that regel is a reference to the top part of the thighs. It says, you know, the, what, what's, uh, what's the puzzle going to say? The puzzle speaks in a uh, cleaner language, so it uses the term raglav, even though in a chinami it's not really raglav. Tashima, another raya, ve'yavo shol haseich es raglav, when it describes shol urinating, it says that shol went laseich es raglav. This, uh, I believe, is where the puzzle describes how he went laseich es raglav and David and his men were hiding in the cave, and David saw Shaul walk right by him. So David had a moment where if he ever wanted, he could have uh, killed Shaul right then and there. But instead, he takes a piece of his baguette to show, to demonstrate later, that if he wanted to kill him, he could have killed him, but he, but he didn't kill him. What was Shaul doing all alone? A king shouldn't be alone. He went to urinate somewhere. So what is that called? has raglov. The urine doesn't come from between the calves. It comes from between the thighs. So lishnam alia. But again, it just speaks in a nicer language, in a cleaner language, but it's not meant to be precise. Tashma, fourth raya. Again, reference to urinating, but Mesachu Raglav. So again, says Mar Lishna speaking in a cleaner language. Bain Ragleha, Pasuk describes Sisra when he's a Boel Yael, that he goes Bain Ragleha. Says Mar again, Lishna Ma'alya. It's speaking in a cleaner type of language. The Orchlenar asked the obvious kasha. How many times do you have to give the same answer to Lishna Malia? Meaning we get it. Obviously, Mibain Raglav, Lahasechis Raglav, that obviously is always a Lishna Malia. Why does it keep quoting Psukim? But the Orchlenar points out something even stranger. It's not just that it keeps quoting Psukim, it's quoting Psukim out of order, the, the, out of the order of the Tanakh. That we ask from Psukim and say for Shmuel before we ask about Psukim and say for Shoftim. Shoftim comes before Shmuel. Why are we asking about Psukim and Shmuel before we're asking about Yal and Sisa? That's uh, that's say for Shoftim. So the Aruch uh, suggests that the Gemara is asking based on what's most mistaver to say that it's Lishna Ma'alya. We start with, which, with those Psukim that are most likely to be in the Lishna Ma'alya. So we start with the Gemara, with, uh, with the Gemara begins with the puzzle about Mephiboshes, who is a Tzaddik and was mitztar on Al-Tzara's David. So that's why he wasn't megaleach his, uh, his hair. So it's more mistaver to assume that about him, the Torah would say, the Navi would say, Elishnama Alia. So Gemara says, okay, what about Shaul over there? He's not doing a tzedakah. He's not doing something nice. And he, even though he was a tzaddik, at this point in his life, he was chasing David, trying to kill him. He wasn't doing something nice. So that's less mistaver to say it's Elishnama Alia. Gemara says, no, even that's Elishnama Alia. Then Gemara says, okay, what about Eglon? He was a Russia. He wasn't even a tzaddik. It was not, not like Shaul. He was a Russia, and uh, much less shaykh to say that he was bl- that, that it was just speaking blishna ma'alia. The Gemara says not still blishna ma'alia. The Gemara says what about Sisra? Where not only was he a Russia, he was mechavin la'avera at that time. He was trying to be bol yail, and he had nothing good in mind when he was doing this act. Still, the Gemara says the Navi speaks blishna ma'alia even when talking about Rishayim doing horrible things. 
Amrav Yochran, Sheva Be'ilos Ba'al Osa Rasha, Bosayom. Sister was Ba'al seven Be'ilos on that day. How do we know? Shenemer, because the Pasuk uses seven different terminologies to describe Bia. The Pasuk says, Bein Raglea Kara Nafal Shacha, Bein Raglea Kara Nafal, Bashar Kara Sham Nafal Shadu. Asks the Gemara, but wait a second, how is this okay? Isn't Yael getting Hana'a from the Avera? She is not getting any Hana'a from the Avera whatsoever. Whatever is considered good for the Rishayim is bad for the Tzadikim. Kodesh Baruch Hu warns Lavan, do not speak to Yaakov any good or bad. Bishlam Lechi, I understand why he can't speak bad to Yaakov. Elotova, my low, why can't he say something nice and good to Yaakov? That something that's good for the Rishayim is considered bad by Tzadikim. I understand by Lavan, for him to say what he thinks is good, he's going to mention the Shema Vodazara, and that's something that's certainly disgusting to Yaakov Vinu. Yaakov Vinu doesn't want to hear. But over here, what's the Ra'a? Meaning Yal is having a Maisabia. Why is that a Ra'a? That's a Hana. It's a legitimate Hana. Says Gemara, no, because Shadi Bazuama. By having a Maisabia with such a Rasha, he is uh, he's putting Zuama, some level of impurity into her body. That at the time that the Nachash was Baal Chava, he, uh, he put some, this level of Zuama, this impurity, into her body. Of the Chavim Shalom de Bar Sinai, lo Pascha Zuamasan. So the, the Bnei Yisrael who stood at Bar Sinai were cleansed from that Zuama at the time of Bar Sinai. The Of the Chavim who didn't have the, the experience of Bar Sinai were, not, were never cleansed from that Zuama. So going forward, the Of the Chavim still have that Zuama, and therefore that's considered Ra'a Eitzel Ya'el. That's considered something that Ya'el would consider to be terrible, even though there may be some level of Hana, because it's Ra'a Eitzel Tzadikim since, since he's impar- imparting that Zuama. In, into her. This uh, probably re- relates uh, a lot to the issue of, uh, of Timtum Alev, that we assume by when a person ingests non-kosher food, that it has some sort of negative spiritual effect, aside from any halachic consequences that it has. So the, uh, the, there are poskim that assume that maybe the same would be true by by, by uh, by taking in any part of a uh, of, of of a body of novik chavim, the blood or the uh, or the shechvazera of novik chavim, that it imparts a certain level of uh, of zuama into the uh, into into the person. There there are some posts that go so far as to suggest that if a person needs blood transfusions, that if he, if if it's within his control, if he's able to do it, he should uh, he should try to get uh, Jewish blood, not because of any halachic reason, but because of this uh, this issue of the zuama. That you don't want to take in that uh, that zuama. Uh, others assume no, blood is blood, and we do whatever we can. If you need blood, then you need blood. You take whatever whatever is available. Um, okay, so the Tosav here uh, raises the issue. What was the Gemara asking exactly about Yalva? She got Hana from the Avera. Says Tosav on the bottom. The, the Gemara can't be asking why didn't she give up her life? How could she allow this man to be boil her? This is Gilia Raya. She should have given up her life. No. That wouldn't have been a kasha. By Esther, we say that a woman's part in the act of Gilead Rais can be totally passive. So if she can be totally passive, it's not Yarek Val Yavar. Let her be Karka Olam. 
Furthermore, it wasn't really onus. She was, she was the one that encouraged him so that he would be weaker, so that the Jewish people would be able to win the war. No, the real question is by Shiraz Tavarach, why are we singing about how wonderful Yael was? Why are we praising her so much? She got Hanah from this. This wasn't something that she did totally Lashem Shemaim. That was the Gemara's Kasha. And the Gemara says, no, she got absolutely no Hanah from this. This was Ra Eitzel Tzadikim. And therefore, this was an act of Mesiris Nefesh. This is something that deserves a, uh, a level of, of praise. Ramin Benazir Bahari is Kedola Averu Lishma, Mi Mitzvah Shalol Lishma. That an Avera Lishma is greater than a Mitzvah Shalol Lishma. The Imos, when there were Nana from, from the Bia, Ya'al never had enough from the Bia. So this comes up in uh, Nazir and Horios as, as well. But that she had no Hanah from, from the Bia. That's the, the working assumption that we have over here. That this Tovas uh, Rishayim is Ra Eitzel Tzadikim. Okay, further in the Gemara, now two dots on Amad Beis. Tanur Abadon, we have a Bryce, and Na'alo, Enli Allah Na'alo, Na'alo shall call the Minayin. I only know that it has to be his shoe. How do I know that you could use anybody's shoe, that it doesn't have to belong to him? Tamalomer, no, no, let me call Malcolm. It says, no, twice, so he's learned it could be any type of shoe. Imkain, ma tamalomer, no, lo. Why does it say, no, lo, that has to be his shoe? No, lo, haro, It doesn't have to be his. It means it has to be a shoe that's appropriate for him, means that fits him. Prat legadol shen yokalalukbo. It means if it's too big that he can't even walk with it, it's not going to be okay. Uprat legadol shen yokalalukbo. Rov raglo. Or if it's too small, it doesn't even cover the majority of his foot. It's not going to be okay. Uprat sandal hamasulyam shein lo ekev, or a sandal that doesn't have any sole, where there's no heel of the shoe, so that also would not be good. That's what it means, not alo, that it has to be rotely low, but not that it actually has to fit him, and that it actually has to belong to him, just that it has to basically fit him. Abai avakai kamed rav Yosef. Abai was sitting in front of his Rebbe Rav Yosef once. I saw Yevama lachlots, and he came up with a chalitza case. Yevama came, she needed a chalitza. Amalei havli sandalich. So Rav Yosef said to Abai, give your shoe to the guy so that we could do a chalitza. Yevli sandal the smaller. He gave his left shoe. He took off his left shoe and gave that one. What are you doing? That's only a din b'diyeva that you can use the left shoe. You have to use the right shoe. Why are you giving the wrong the, the left shoe? But if, if it doesn't belong to him anyway, we're anyway only doing a b'diyeva. I see that you're running a b'diyeva based in here by asking me to give the shoe. So I might as well give the left shoe. That was Abayi's clever way of reminding Rav Yosef of what the halacha was. He says, no, 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 you're getting it wrong. You're right. It's only to use a shoe that's not yours. I didn't say to make him use a shoe that's not his. I said to take your shoe and give it to him. Give it to him means be makinated to him. Make it belong to him. So we're not running a b'diyavid basin. We're running a l'charchila basin, and you should give him the right shoe. It's unclear if this was already at a point where Rav Yosef was beginning to forget his learning, and Abaye was already cleverly trying to remind Rav Yosef of his learning. Rav Yosef was saying, well, I'm not totally senile yet. I, uh, I, still, uh, I, still, I still remember 
some of the halachas, and that this wasn't by accident that he said this. The uh, Nimukha Yosef writes that when he gives it ba'aknilates matan al that he has to give it as a full matan al manas lahachsir. Rabbeinu Peretz says that nowadays our minig is not to be makna the shoe to the yavam, since there are shoes that are designated for this purpose. So it's mustaver that when they bring that when the Beisdin orders the shoe, they're makna al das that whoever uh, that, that that every yavam should be able to do the mitzvah with it in a little kind of way. So the communities kona that shoe for every single yavam, and therefore it already belongs to them. We don't need a special a special kinyan. The Yam Shloma writes in the name of Brona that we do need to be makna the shoe to the yavam with a matana gemura, and he needs to do a kinyan agba on the shoe before we do we do the chalitza. But the Yam Shloma says he doesn't understand that which it has to be shalow is only the chalchila. But the yavam, if it's not his, it's still going to be kosher. So why do we need a matana gemura with a kinyan agba? Why are we so makbid? So he says that there are some that want to say that that which you have to be makna that's only also lechadchila because the shoe belongs to to Basin, It's already considered to be to be shalom. and uh, and and even though you know, and and they they compare it to like an esrog of a kahal that everyone is yotze with the esrog of the kahal because it's understood that it's bought for the entire community. So maybe the chalitza shoe also there's like this built-in understanding that it's meant for everybody that it's built it's it's bought for the entire for the entire community. Now one could argue that the esrog of the kahal everyone would uh, chip in for and the chalitza shoe probably was not chipped in for by everybody so there may be reasons to be mechalik between the two but anyway that's what, what is suggested so, further in the Gemara sandal shal eitz a wooden shoe mantana amr shmuel rameir he detanana kiteri yotza b'kav shalot div rameir rabbi yossi oser rameir holds that a wooden shoe is considered a shoe that an amputee who has a wooden leg that that's considered a shoe and therefore you're allowed to walk out with it on Shabbos avod shmuel amr b'mechubar v'div rakal now we might even be going not like rameir and we're talking about a wooden uh, shoe that's covered with leather, and therefore, even if you don't know the grammar, it's still considered a shoe. Amr Pav Mishmei Derava Sandal Amuskar Lo Tachlotzbo Vimchotza Chalitzasak Shera If you have a sandal that has a uh, that has a nega on it, so there are stages in declaring something to have Tzaras. There's what's called Muskar and Muchlat. Muskar is when it's put away for a week to uh, to see what happens to it, and then uh, Muchlat is once it's declared to have Tzaras. So if you have a sandal that's in the Muskar stage, you're not supposed to do Chalitza with it, but if you do Chalitza, the Chalitza is going to be kosher. Sandal Amuchlat Lo Tachlotzbo Vimchotza a sandal a muchlat, once it's already declared to definitively have tsaras, you can't do chalitz with it. And if you do, the chalitz is going to be possible. Rav Papa Mishrei Rav Amar Echad Sandal Muskar Vechad Sandal Muchlat Lo Tachlus Bovim Cholza Chalitzas Akshere. Either way, the chalitz is going to be kosher. Frankly, we're amazed. Bayis Hamuskar Metami Mitocho Muchlat Mitocho Umeachorav. That a bias that's a house that has a nega that's muskar that's still not in between stage can be metami from inside the house. That if something goes, if you touch the inside walls of the house, you become tame. Even if you're standing outside, you just reach in and touch the inside, you become tame. But once the house is muchlat, if, even if you touch the outside walls of the house, you become tame. And in either case, if you go into the house, you're going to become tame. But if you're going to say that a sandal on muchlat, you can't do chalitza, why can't you do chalitza with it? Because we assume that it's going to have to get destroyed. So since it's going to have to get destroyed, it's as if it doesn't exist. It's as if it's not a shoe. It's as if it's already gone. So we should say the same thing by a house. But So a, a house that's already muchlat should no longer be able to be metame when you go into it because it should no longer be considered a bias. It should be as, it's as, it should be as if it's already destroyed. So 
still called a bias, even as we're destroying it. Tashima another If you have a cloth that's three by three at Zbaos, even though it doesn't have a Kazayas volume, since it um, once the majority of that cloth goes into a pure house, Timasehu, if that beget has Tumas Saras, it will now be Matame the house. My love Mukletis, aren't we talking about a cloth that has absolute saras and therefore has to be burnt? And still we say it's considered to have the proper shear to be Matame? Lo, muskeres. No, if it, would, if it had, if it was absolute, then it would already be considered as if it was destroyed. We're talking about where it's musker. But then when the sefer goes on to say that if it had, if it had more volume, even if just a kazayis of the cloth went into a pure house, it would be mitami the house. Well, if you're going to say that it's an absolute, it has absolute saras, I understand why it would be mitami the house. It's like a dead body. But if you say that it's only in that initial stage of Tumas Saras, where we're still figuring it out, why would it be Matami the house? It's not considered like a mace yet. So again, says more shiny awesome Domakra, Visarfus Abeged, and we darshan from there, Afil Bishasrefa, Kari Beged, that even when it's Bishasrefa, even as you're burning it, it's still called a Beged. So Fraktigmar Vilgmar Mine. But why don't we learn from that halacha that even something that's going to get burnt is considered to be as if it still exists, as if, as if it's still intact. We can't learn anything from, in the world of Isravahatar from the world in Tumantara. All of Tumantara is a Chiddush. It has a whole different se- separate uh, set of rules that, uh, that it works with. That's why we have different halachas of Suffolk Isr. We say Suffolk Tuma, totally separate rules. All of Tumantara is a great Chiddush and we can't derive anything in Isr from Tumantara.